Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. For each episode here on the Lead Bold Podcast, we focus in on what we call the three W's when it comes to talking to our guests. The first W is a word, something that has been given to them or been put on their heart by God about working in ministry. Two is a warning, something that they have learned from, can share insight for, or can even kind of open up vulnerability about failures and places where they have room to grow. And lastly, wow, a time in their ministry and in their walk with Jesus where they have been blown away by what God has done and what he has taught them. Let's jump into our episode for today. Our incredible guest for today's episode is Ashley Nation. Ashley is an Oakland native who is passionate about coming alongside Bay Area organizations and churches to help them reveal the love of God to their communities. In 2018, Ashley became a licensed minister with the Assemblies of God Fellowship and currently serves as the community's pastor at Encounter Church in San Leander, California. She also serves on the board of directors for Project Peace, an organization that pursues biblical justice in the Bay Area by activating a network of churches to serve and sustain their local communities. In addition, she is the board chair for Urban Life Mentors, a youth mentoring organization in Oakland. She holds a Master of Arts in Intercultural Studies from Fuller Theological Seminary and is the Bay Area Director for the Fuller Center of Spiritual Formation. In her spare time, when she has it, Ashley enjoys board games, playing basketball, dining with friends, reading and journaling by the water at Jack London Square in Oakland. Today, we're talking with Ashley Nation about what she's learned in her ministry journey. She shares really honestly about the courage that it takes to stand up for yourself and how to forgive even when the person you're speaking up to doesn't respond the way you hoped. And we'll get into how all of that ties into the inner conversation that we all tend to have about our own worth. But I think my favorite part of the conversation was getting to hear her wow, a story of of God planting a seed of a dream and then clearing a path for it. I know that I've seen that and I hope to continue to see it with Lead Bold. And I'm guessing that you might be in a place where you're ready for God to show up in big ways too. Well, no matter where you are on that journey, I know this conversation will resonate because, hey, we're all leaders here with a heart for ministry and listening to one person's lessons along the way might be just what we need for our next step. So enjoy Aaron's and my conversation with Ashley Nation. Well, hey, Lead Bold, we are back with another podcast episode and so excited to welcome our guest. But first, welcoming my co-host. Hey, Erin, how are you today? Hey, everybody. Excited to be here. I'm excited too, um, especially because our guest is Ashley Nation. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Hello, ladies. Hi, Erin. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> now, question for you. Um, obviously, our listeners heard all the amazing things that you're doing right now. So I just have a question that's completely insignificant, but you have no E in your Ashley name. Does that, do people constantly spell it wrong and do you always correct them or are you just like, forget <laughs> it. I'm sick of correcting people. <laughs> People definitely spell it wrong all the time. My name is constantly misspelled. And unfortunately, I've just gotten used to it, Um, especially like via text message, social media, email, you know, autocorrect. It automatically changes it, even if they intentionally spell it the correct way. So over Mm -hmm. time, I've just learned to just let it slide. Um, and you know, God bless mom and dad. Thank you so much for a very common name with the unknown. So you know, you're. They did that after me and my sister. What's your so. sister's name? 
My sister's name is Brittany, uh, but it's spelled B R I T T N Y. No. So oh, no poor Brittany. No so, you know, the both of us, it's just the life that mm, we live. They didn't like the ease. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They, they weren't here for the vowels. I, I don't know. Less vowels. Cool. Less vowels. Um, yeah, no, you're. <laughs> they didn't want to buy a vowel. <laughs> they didn't want to buy a vowel. You're, you are right about the autocorrect because I am very intentional about spelling your name correctly. And my phone does try to autocorrect you to put the EY. So, you know. Actually, that kind of goes in. I This is the cheesiest, terrible transition, but it kind of goes into our first question because, you know, we our first thing we talk about is what is a word? And you are probably having to forgive people all the time for misspelling your name. So tell us your word and let's jump into something that is a little more grounded than the conversation has been so far. My bad. Ashley, what is a word you want to share with us? Yes, my word is forgiveness and misspelling my name has been an excellent opportunity for me to continue <laughs> my practice. Stretching the muscles of forgiveness. Yes, for sure. Um, so yeah, my word has been forgiveness. I think that um, especially over the last maybe several years, just really learning uh, the need to consistently forgive. And I think that it's one of those things where, you know, we realize, yes, of course we need to forgive. Uh, but, you know, sometimes in certain situations, it, it's just much more difficult and it can be very challenging. Uh, but that's just something that I've had to navigate is continuing to forgive. Yeah. So that's my word. It yeah. Is. It's a, it's a hefty one. That is for sure. And it's such a humbling one. Um, Mm -hmm. You shared a story with me earlier just about the whole like saying sorry and somebody saying sorry or not. Tell us a little bit about that story and, and what what that's teaching you about how you forgive and apologize. Yeah. So um, years ago, I actually was um, in a leadership role at a church and one of the other pastors on staff had said some things, um, had done some things that I had found to be very hurtful. And so I approached them uh, with another staff member and we just met and had a conversation and I shared with them, you know, some of the things that were said and some of the things that were done uh, that were very hurtful to me. Um, and so in that conversation, uh, at the end of me sharing those things, their conclusion was, well, first they offered their justification as to why they said those things and why they did those things. And then their conclusion was that they were going to take some time to pray and ask God if they needed to apologize to me for those things that they said and they had done. Um, and so that response did not sit well with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it really took a lot of uh, courage um, and even humility to have that conversation and to want to work towards reaching a resolve. Um, and so since that response did not sit well with me, I made the decision that um, I never wanted anyone to feel the way that I felt in that moment um, when that person wasn't willing to apologize and said they needed to pray about it. Um, and so that really kind of was added some fuel to my uh, practices of forgiveness because I just felt like I, I never wanted anyone else to feel that way. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I just, man, I kind of want to like pick that whole story apart. So my first question, Erin <laughs> and I are like, we have questions. My first question is, you said you took somebody with you 
uh, is it Matthew 18? Am I quoting that right? Yeah, that was very spiritual of you to take somebody with you, uh, but took somebody with you and you had the courage to say how you had felt wronged. Um, man, that right there is such a lesson. I mean, do you is that easy for you to be confrontative like that? Are you the kind of person that's comfortable with that? Or is that something you've had to learn? Um, no, it's not something that I am comfortable with. Um, <laughs> I think that I definitely don't have a fear of confrontation, uh, but I think that confrontation is healthy because I think that we have to confront things in order to reach a resolve. So it's always hard when you have to approach someone and have a difficult conversation. I mean, from my perspective, that's never easy. There's never been a moment where I was like, oh, I'm so excited to go talk to this person and tell them how I feel and, you know, to be vulnerable and, and share a way in which you felt hurt. So that's something that's always very difficult to navigate for me personally. Um, so, yeah, that that was tough. Yeah, I think, I think there is. You go. Oh, Aaron. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I think especially for women in positions of leadership, um, mm -hmm. there's like a, a heightened level of like not wanting to rock the boat, right? But there is something that's so important about self-advocacy and recognizing that like to be able to partner well together is to also understand and recognize that we need to be vocal about when we feel that something has has been done that is offensive, that has wronged us, right? For the sake of not only the relationship for both as a whole, but even just for a sense of self-advocacy to not kind of bury oneself, to like push oneself down when there is something to be resolved. But I think, you know, as as female leaders, that can often be something that, that sets us back as a fear of retaliation or a fear of um, being seen as someone who can't like go along, right? And can't just like that you're too sensitive or... I think that's something we often see, unfortunately, in this kind of line of work for females. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that oftentimes, for those very reasons, it can be easy to resort to avoidance. And so we end up avoiding the conflict or avoiding the situation, which in the long run hinders the relationship. And I think that for me, I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted everything to be clear. I wanted us to have good communication. And so that was my intention in approaching that meeting. Yeah, I, that's so, that's so true. Um, you know, you kind of have to take that risk for the good of the long-term relationship. I find that um, for me, sometimes I have to, I have to sit with it maybe for about a day just to see if like, okay, did I just get my feathers ruffled and I can, it, this isn't one of those things, or is it still kind of bugging me? And and it's one of those, how long did you sit with it? And how did you know this was something that you needed to circle back and bring up with this person? Um, I sat with it much longer than a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember the exact time frame, but I know that um, I had sat with it for a while um, for many of the reasons that Aaron uh, just mentioned some of those dynamics were definitely applicable to the situation that I was in at that time. Um, so yeah, a lot of time had passed since I had actually mustered up the courage to go have that conversation. So I, I sat on it for a while. And that's, I mean, that's fine too. I mean, I think maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. There, I don't think there's a right answer, but you know, if you, if you go at it too soon, it can feel reactive, right? 
uh, if you let it sit yeah. too long, it can cause that resentment and bitterness. So it's like many things in faith, it is, there's no one answer. It's listening. And obviously, you know, I'm sure as you were praying and processing and just feeling it, it's like, now this one's still clinging on. I got to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and while the crazy part of the story is actually a year later, that pastor came back and offered an apology. So they ended up apologizing. So I guess maybe maybe the Lord, you know, gave them an answer. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. A year later. Wow. So did they come back to you right after and be like, oh, I'm not getting a green light to apologize? And then they did a year later? Or did they just never, like, t please tell us, tell us more. <laughs> It, it went silent. So that com we had that conversation. It ended as I indicated and it was over. And, you know, I just had to work through those feelings and emotions within myself. Um, and I think that that was a pivotal point um, in me really learning to forgive was having to extend forgiveness to someone that didn't want to apologize mm. or didn't feel, feel that they needed to apologize. Um, and so I, through that process, had to learn how to forgive that person um, who had hurt me, even if, you know, they didn't think they did anything wrong. Um, and so I felt like I then entered that journey. And then, yeah, a year later, completely out of the blue, uh, there we were in a ministry, we were at a ministry event, and they came and approached me and said, um, I felt like God told me that I need to apologize to you. And so I was completely caught off guard um, and not ready for that. Uh, but yeah, they came back a year later. I think that's such a, a tough concept. I, I work in my in my day job. I work in HR. And so, so much of the time, there isn't necessarily closure. And you're, you're faced with having to like mm -hmm. grapple with the sense of forgiveness and closure within yourself. Um, yeah. And there's this quote that like my mom would tell me all the time growing up. It's an author named Lewis Smeads. And it's, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize the prisoner was yourself. Um, but there's yeah. so much difficulty in that, especially when we feel that we have not necessarily been an instigator of wrongdoing, right? To find a level and to kind of lean on God to say, I can't hold this. And I know that you love this person. And I have to kind of find closure on my end when that person doesn't want to find closure with me. And I know that's something that I'm sure so many of our listeners have dealt with in their personal lives, in their ministry work, the difficulty of recognizing that when one person doesn't necessarily recognize the wrong, how we are then having, like being tasked with dealing with that on our own accord. And that can be really, really hard, actually. So, so yeah. vulnerable for you to share. It's such a tough sitch. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that really benefited me from that experience is now I'm more apt to ask for forgiveness <laughs> from other people. Um, if I know that I've offended them or there have been situations where um, people have approached me, uh, for example, you know, being um, on staff at a church, oftentimes, you know, people approach you and say, oh, well, you know, you didn't speak to me this Sunday after church, or, you know, they think that it's intentional. You know, sometimes you're just focused on so many different things. And so you might even be looking at a person, but you're not even thinking about them and you're going off to do something else. And so, you know, I've had people approach me and, you know, with things that they, um, excuse me, ways in which maybe they felt hurt or offended by something I did or, or something that I said. Um, and now I just say, I'm sorry, that wasn't my intent. I apologize. 
Um, and I think that had I not gone through that situation of, you know, feeling that hurt, maybe I wouldn't be so quick to apologize. But now if, if me offering an apology to someone, even if I don't feel that I did anything wrong, is going to mean healing for them, then it's necessary. And I have to be willing to humble myself and uh, to ask for forgiveness. And so sometimes it, it can be challenging because you really have to kill your pride and, and be in a posture of humility. But in the end, it's so much worth it and it's very rewarding. So, you know, I, I try my best now to be quick to apologize when I'm in the wrong and even if I'm not in the wrong, because I know what it feels like um, to feel that sense of hurt. And I want to be a reconciler and to make things right. Yeah, it's that whole sense of just what you said there, putting, you know, the peace of the relationship with with integrity, obviously. I mean, I think as women, sometimes this is a super overgeneralized statement, but we we are sometimes too quick to apologize. Um, uh, and a lot of, you know, sorry, 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 and taking blame where maybe we don't. But I know that's not what you're saying. Like, you know, if there is hurt, whether it was intentional or not, whether it, it's, you know, from their own baggage or things that have triggered them that you had no way to know that that was a problem. But but the compassion and the humility, like you said, to recognize like something I did, whether or not, you know, even if it's more about you, the other person, that that hurt you. And of course, I don't want that. I want to love you and, and love you well. And so, yeah, that's a tricky one. That's a big Woo, we could spend the rest of our time on that word. But if we move to our next, which is the the warning, something that you maybe learned the hard way or just a gentle warning as we move forward, it does kind of tie to this whole idea. So um, Ashley, tell us kind of how that leads into maybe what your warning might be for those those who are listening today. Yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes there is that... <clears throat> fine line of, you know, operating in humility and compassion. Um, but then, you know, also just, you know, not just being so quick to, <clears throat> like you said, just say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, which oftentimes is ruder in a deeper sense of insecurity. Um, and I think that uh, for me, one of the things that I've had to learn is uh, sometimes, you know, I think about uh, in John 10, 10, I call it, I call it Satan's job description. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Aaron's in HR. Watch. She'll love that. She'll love that. <laughs> yeah. I call it Satan's job description. And so, um, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly or to the fullest. And I think that one thing I've discovered is that, you know, there have been times and situations in my life where I have aligned myself with Satan's effort to steal, kill, and destroy my life and my purpose and my calling. Um, and sometimes it just happens in some of the most subtle ways. Um, and so one of those ways I think about is uh, just getting down on myself and being my own worst critic. Uh, you know, having those perfectionist tendencies. I'm a very highly task-oriented in person, um, so I really value being effective. I really um, value being efficient. And so sometimes, you know, if I'm not being effective or if I feel like I'm not being efficient, it can be very easy to get down on myself, you know, to talk down to myself internally, um, to align myself with thoughts about 
with thoughts about myself that are not true, that are inaccurate. And I think one of the things I've realized is that when I do that, when I begin to embrace those thoughts and take them on as part of my identity, I'm really assisting Satan in like his effort to steal, kill and destroy from me. Because when I align myself with those types of, with that type of thinking, it robs me of my joy. It robs me of my peace. You know, it robs me of, you know, the things that, um, God wants me to have. And so I feel like that's definitely been a challenge and something that I've had to navigate as well. Wow. I That's insightful. I've never thought about that verse as like, when do I align myself with Satan's mission, basically? And every yeah. time we take on a false narrative, every time we, like you said, get down on ourselves, that's what we're doing. Woo! I got to sit with that a little. <laughs> what are some of the ways for you, like when, when you're recognizing and you have the self-awareness of like, this is the place that I'm in, what are some of the ways that you've been able to kind of like pull yourself out of that space? I know that I like, I, I align with you strongly, like I'm very hard on myself. And so what are some of those things uh, that have helped you like kind of like pull yourself out from, from that, from Satan's sidekick, I'll put it that way. Satan's sidekick. I like that. <laughs> um, I think that one of the things that I really try to do as a practice when I recognize that is, you know, it can be very easy for me to rehearse my insecurities and my inadequacies. And I have to begin to rehearse my God-given identity, who it is that God has called me to be, um, you know, being able to rehearse the fact that, you know, God loves me not because of what I produce, but because of who I am. Um, and so I think that making space just to be able to literally say out loud, when I say rehearse, I mean literally say these things out loud, like say those things, you know, remind myself of who I am, remind myself that I'm not just my gifts and I'm not just what I produce and what I can do, uh, but you know that I'm a daughter, you know, that I am loved by God regardless of what I can produce, you know, reminding myself that. Um, God has given me peace. He has given me joy that I have access to those things. And I just have to reach out to him to access them. And so a lot of those things are within reach. It's just a matter of reaching out to God and asking him to give me those things. So I think that's one of the ways. Um, I think another way has definitely been uh, surrounding myself with other people, um, other women in particular, that I feel like um, have the same perspective and the same goals. So being able to um, surround myself with other women that will encourage and empower me, I think that that has been something that has been very beneficial for me in my journey, um, being surrounded by people where we can encourage and lift one another up. Because um, I tend to be one of those people that is more of an internal processor. So sometimes, you know, when I go through difficult situations, it's easier for me to withdraw and go inward. So I have to make an intentional conscious effort sometimes to go outward. And whether that means uh, reaching out to God, and sometimes that means reaching out to other people, because that's just not my natural response. I know some people are wired a little bit differently, you know, their natural response is to automatically, you know, maybe run to people. Uh, but for me, that's not my natural response. So sometimes I have to push myself out of my comfort zone a little bit and, and put myself in spaces 
um, and in connection with other people that will uh, encourage me. Well, I cannot pass up a plug uh, for Lead Bold because that, I mean, when I hear you <laughs> say that, that is the whole reason that Lead Bold exists. Um, you know, it's so valuable, especially as women who are leading in ministry spaces to be surrounding ourselves with people who can affirm the abundant life that that Jesus came to bring us and to help us recognize when we're aligning ourselves with, you know, steal, kill, and destroy as opposed to bringing life and people who understand that and also come alongside us and don't judge us and help us live into that, you know, that potential of new life in Jesus. And so, you know, so often we're in places of leadership where we don't always have those other women in our organization or, you know, at the table with us. And so it's one of the beautiful things about Lead Bold is for it to be that place where, you know, you can come to uh, the cohort or you can come to one of the conferences and literally be aligning yourself with women who speak life into you. So I couldn't pass up that plug. <laughs> yeah, I no, like, but it's so important. Yeah, I like what I you're saying. Say it's so important. <laughs> Sorry, we're Aaron and I are on top of each other. You go, Aaron. What were you saying? No, I was just going to reiterate how important it is to to recognize that so often, like the internal opportunity to like build ourselves up, and like that is a honed skill. And so, I love that you use the term like rehearsing, like it is something that is a practice that I think for women in general is not something that comes easily to us to like rehearse and appreciate the things that make us who we are, that make us unique. Um, and also this idea that by having external input into reaffirming, encouraging and supporting those things about what God made us to be for a lot of us as females, because our internal uh, voice isn't always the kindest is, is such an important part of like those two practices to be rehearsing it on our own and to have those things bolstered and supported by those who love Jesus and love us. Um, so great. Ashley, was there um, a particular time or way that you kind of learned how to lean into God's narrative for you versus, um, you know, what Satan would want you to believe about yourself? Or was there a person who did that? Or like what, obviously we're all still learning it, but when you're when you're winning at it, why is that? How did you how did you get that practice? Um, you know, actually, I feel like that really started with um, someone that is one of my mentors uh, today. Uh, many years ago, I was going through a really difficult uh, situation in life, and um, I didn't really tell anyone. I didn't really talk to anyone about it. Um, again, that inward struggle. <laughs> Um, and, but she noticed we were going to the same church and she noticed that I just didn't seem my normal, you know, happy, engaging self. And so, uh, she reached out to me and she said, you know, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm all right. And she was like, you know, I feel like maybe you and I should meet. And she had a, a, a very set time. She said, I feel like you and I should meet. Could we meet, um, every two weeks for, you know, four sessions, four times. She didn't use the word sessions, but she said for four times. Um, and I said, sure. And so we met. Um, and in that conversation, as I met with her, um, she just asked me some more questions just about what was going on in my life. 
um, and really just kind of gave me some very practical tools on how to navigate some of the things that I was experiencing at that time. Um, I'm trying to, you know, just share that story briefly. Uh, but I felt like in that relationship and in those times together, um, I actually had a document. I called it our Thursday sessions because we would meet on <laughs> Thursdays. Um, but yeah, she just kind of gave me some different tools to be able to do that very thing, to be able to rehearse uh, just my identity in Christ um, and just to be able to embrace, you know, my uniqueness, um, specifically as a leader and as a woman um, in light of what I was experiencing and going through at that time. Um, and so I felt like that was really the starting point for me was it was actually someone outside of me inviting me into this experience. So, yeah, that's how it began. I love that. That's a great story. And it, and it reaffirms just the sense of us speaking life into one another. The fact that she noticed and went out of our way and took time to come alongside you in that. I love that. Yeah. I think it's powerful when we see those things happen because we are so apt to then mirror. Like when we are faced with experiences that, that are life-giving, we are so drawn to mirror those experiences for other people. And so at the time in which someone has taken the time to do that for us, it encourages us, it inspires us to continue to pass that on and to be that person and to do that for someone else. Um, it, you know, the, the, the passion of loving Jesus in that way, I think is really inspiring and it carries from woman to woman, from human to human, as we see it enacted um, in someone's care for us, the desire to mirror those actions is strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's kind of hit our last last chunk of uh, inspiration from Ashley, uh, talking about this idea of like wh where have you been wowed? Like where did God wow you in the way He's working in your life, or you've seen Him do stuff? Share with us about that because I never want us as leaders to lose that that wonder of like watching for what God can do. So tell us a little bit about what that's looked like for you. Yeah, um, I think that the major way that I have experienced just God wowing me is just um, his faithfulness in directing my path. Um, I definitely feel like God has just been so intentional. Um, I often tell people that at a certain point in my life, I felt like I stopped making the decisions and I've just kind of followed the direction and the leading of the Lord and what he um, has had, what, what he's had for me and how he has directed me. Um, and so uh, a big part of that started back in uh, 2017. I felt like I started to have this desire or a dream uh, to really uh, pursue something that was so much bigger than me. Um, and that dream, it, it was so big that I just was like, no, there's absolutely no way in the world. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to do this. It, it would take so much time and effort and I can't do it. I don't want to do it because it's too much work. Um, but yeah, that dream that just started to stir in my heart was really uh, just about being a bridge between churches and their local communities uh, in Oakland and in the Bay Area. I um, mean, I really just started to have a desire to um, see that happen as someone who uh, I've grown up in church all of my life. There was a point in time where I walked away from God. Um, and so I feel like I've kind of had this dual experience of being heavily involved in church and in ministry, but also, you know, not being involved um, in church and ministry as well. And so um, 
part of that experience was just <clears throat> getting to a place where I really just, you know, said to God, I really just want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. And I've spent so much of my life trying to steer the direction of my life and trying this and trying that. And, you know, it hasn't been working out that great for me. And so I think when I put my place myself in that place of being able to surrender to God um, and pursue whatever it is he wanted for me, I think he's definitely taken me through some wild moments. Um, And so in having this dream, I think part of that uh, was initially when I, um, again, had this started having this dream back in 2017, Um, God opened a door for me to work for a Christian community development organization in Oakland. Um, And I was wanting to get my uh, foot in the door in the community development world, because prior to that, a lot of my work experience had been in an administrative capacity. And I was also serving in uh, volunteer positions in ministry and church at that time. Um, And so God opened that door completely out of the blue. Um, The executive director of an organization reached out to another executive director of another organization and said, hey, we need somebody that wants to work with youth. Do you know anybody? Um, And that person said, yeah, (laughs) Ashley Nation, do you know her? She lives in Oakland. Um, And so then they were like, no, I don't know her. And so they reached out to me um, just randomly. I was working at another organization at that time in San Francisco. um, And God just worked it out for me to be able to take that position in Oakland working for that community development organization. And so it was just amazing to see how God was opening this door to the community development world, which was very much in line with this dream. Um, And then fast forward, um, I had been working at that organization for about four years. Um, And then a couple years ago, um, I felt like God told me very clearly that I was going to start taking a step towards what he had for me more long-term as far as my career is concerned. Um, and so it's interesting because uh, last year, uh, the organization that I was working with, uh, the executive director and I, we were having a conversation about promoting me to more of a mid-level position. Um, and part of my role was going to be managing church partnerships with our organization, as well as doing some other things. Um, and so that was our conversation la- uh, last year. And so then fast forward a little bit, as some time progressed, um, and it was time for my boss and I to start having conversations about what my future position was going to look like. Um, I just felt like God said that it, that I was going to be transitioning and that I wasn't going to stay at that organization and that he had something else for me. Um, and so, you know, this was last year. We're in the midst of the pandemic. There's just so much going on in life. Um, and so basically what happens is my boss and I, we meet, we have this conversation, you know, she asked me, um, you know, well, what do you want your position to look like as we talk about your new position in the fall? Um, and I just had to tell her, you know, I was like, I know this sounds absolutely crazy. I was like, but I feel like God has wanted me to transition from this role and to step into a new position. I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know where I haven't applied anywhere. Um, And I was like, and I know this sounds crazy. We're in the midst of a pandemic. People are losing jobs left and right. I was like, but I feel like we need to plan to hire someone else to take my position because I feel like I'm going to leave. And so, you know, she had a little bit of a difficult time receiving that. And I felt so bad because I had thrown a wrench in all of our plans. Uh, But we did just that. We started hiring someone else. We started the process of hiring someone else to take on my position. Um, At that point, I 
hadn't applied for another position. <laughs> it's like you fired yourself. <laughs> there was nothing. Yes, I basically fired myself and started the process of hiring my replacement, um, not having anything else lined up. Um, and then, of course, you know, God comes through. I get an email that comes across my inbox um, about a job opportunity and the job description. I mean, it just described me and my heart and my passions uh, to a T. Um, and so that position was actually with uh, Fuller Theological Seminary. And uh, that role was going to involve managing church partnerships with Fuller here in the Bay Area. Wow. Um, and so uh, long story short, uh, I ended up getting offered that position. I accepted it. And so it was just really crazy how, you know, God just caused all those things to come together. In the midst of it, I felt like a crazy person and it was very stressful because I was just like, who leaves their job without having another job lined up? Um, but I don't recommend that. <laughs> but I felt very clearly that God was directing that choice and that decision. You know, that I didn't decide on a whim, eh, I'm going to leave this place. I felt very clearly that God said, that there was something else for me. And so I stepped out on faith and went on that faith journey. And I feel like as I look back in retrospect, there's so many situations like that where I've just had to take a faith step and trust that God was going to come through and provide and continue to direct my path. And so um, he has definitely wowed me in that way. And I feel like I'm definitely, I see the ways in which I'm working towards this larger dream that really isn't my dream. It's really God's dream. I mean, he gave it to me. Um, and so even though sometimes it feels so big and so far away, um, I can see God leading me there. And all I can say is, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. I will echo that. When when you get sort of this vision or this dream of something, even especially when you don't even know if it exists and you don't have any context of how that could look years before, and then to see God just bring it right to you and for you to sense when that was the right timing, it's such a powerful story of of God's faithfulness and of us paying attention to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Truly incredible. I love the, I love those moments where we like, we are surprised by the Lord. I think we so often put, we put things in a box because it is what we can understand as human people. And, mm -hmm. you know, God is so faithful in his word to share with us that he can do abundantly more than we even ask or imagine. And the ways in which that continues to surprise us, especially when it's a door that, that opens that we thought for sure was closed is such a powerful step in our journeys with him. Yeah. So those of you that are listening, if you feel like God has given you some kind of nugget or seed or whatever other metaphor that you want to use, uh, just, just trust that and keep your eyes open and say yes to the things that might even seem a little out of the comfort zone to be able to step into that. I love it. Well, Ashley, I don't know if you know this, but we always try to come up with a fake autobiography title that our guest has to go write. You have to go write it, by the way. You saw that in the small print, right? Uh, but so uh, I'm trusting Erin has been listening as we've been talking to see if she's come up with anything. And then we call that's just, our title for the episode. Exactly. I mean, I just am so, I'm so drawn to this idea of the rehearsing my identity, like mm. in Christ, this feeling of like, 
a, a pattern of like a sense of discipline. Like it's something that we continually do in preparation for, because when you rehearse for something, it's like you're preparing to then perform. Right. And I think it's such a cool image that like we are rehearsing this thing in hopes that it's something that becomes real and living in who we are. So I love, I don't know if you have a good tagline, but I think like rehearsing my identity in Christ is such a cool uh, visual for me. I come from doing like musical theater stuff. So that really, it speaks to me too, in a, in a, in a way in terms of preparing to perform um, in a really positive way. Did you have a cool, ta- a cool tagline? Oh could, my gosh. Actually, you're such a, pr- you're such a profound person. They're like, usually we throw some kind of joke. Thing oh, I got there, a joke one. Well, much- it's not a oh, joke, one, okay. but it's, it's a terrible <laughs> title, but we did say it at some point. It could be the tagline. Um, at some point, somebody said Satan's sidekick. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. was like, oh, oh, what if it's Satan's sidekick and other roles I don't want? No, but it can There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It could tie in. Yeah, I was getting a lot of the the idea of kind of coming full circle or pivoting, yeah. all of that. So what was yours again, Erin? Yours is, oh, rehearsing. I, yeah, maybe it's rehearsing my identity, like saying goodbye to Satan's sidekick yeah, or something that they're right? like, oh my gosh, kicking Satan's sidekick <laughs> to the side. We'll just like put a bunch of like multiple words. Put it together. in there too much. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I love it. Uh, Ashley. I was going to say, I yes, love it. <laughs> it has been so great to talk with you because I think so many of our listeners can relate to every, every point that you were talking about, you know, the times that we listen too much and lean into the ways that you know, the destroyer is trying to cause rifts in our relationship and tell us we're less than and make us compare to one another, whatever it is. And then just having that posture of forgiveness and the wisdom and humility and the courage to speak up when, when we do feel like somebody owes us an apology and kind of having, having the strength to do that. Um, And then of course, just getting to see God come, God bring to fruition a little nugget of an idea that you didn't even know if that could be a reality. I know many of our our listeners are on a similar journey or they're in some kind of transition and it seems like, wow, is this really a dream that you're giving me, God? And yet to be able to hold it, hold it with trust and faith and also just be watching so that we don't force it. And I really appreciate you sharing that story with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. Awesome. It's been great to connect with you. Thanks so much, Ashley. All right. Thanks for being with us. And those of you that are listening, we will see you next time. Take care and keep leading bold. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Lead Bold podcast. We had such a great time with Ashley today. And we can't echo enough of what she said, how important it is as you continue to find your identity in Christ, that you have a community of people around you. And that is what Lead Bold is all about. So if you haven't gotten connected to us yet, get tuned in. Find out a little bit more about us on our website. Follow us on Instagram. um, And stay connected to what it is God is doing through this amazing community of women, of women leaders in the Bay Area. Um, There are many events coming up here in the fall, not only our in-person conference in September, but as well as a conference in Chicago in November. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to kind of get an idea um, of what it is you might need so that we can continue to serve this community of leaders well. Check us out at leadingbold.org and we'll see you next time.